Well, hello, fellow ag nerd. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich, and if you're curious about where innovative ideas meet practical realities in food production, you have found the right show. Today's episode is all about data and technology for the modern dairy. Now, even if you're not specifically interested in the dairy industry, hold on, don't delete this episode yet. You're going to want to stick around. And here's why. One of the biggest challenges to all of ag tech is the long feedback loop. I mean, you try a technology out for a year or so, and you get one shot, that one harvest, to see how it's performed and perhaps can iterate again in the future. Well, dairy is way different. That scorecard, instead of happening once a year, happens three times a day when that cow is milked. So this rapid feedback loop has allowed dairies to embrace data analytics arguably faster than all other areas of agriculture. And I would argue that all of us in ag, especially those of us interested in ag tech, can learn a thing or two from this episode. Now we have on the show Jordan Lambert. Jordan is the VP of Business Development for VAS, a software and data analytics company that provides sustainability and profitability insights to dairy producers. Jordan grew up on a farm in rural Colorado and graduated from my alma mater, UC Davis, with a bachelor's in biotechnology. She spent her early career as a genetic engineer before pursuing an MBA at Harvard. From there, her career took her into consulting and back into agriculture with a role in Boston with Indigo. But she returned to Colorado into the dairy industry to take this position with VAS. There's some great stuff here on data, including collection, standardization, and privacy, as well as some really interesting discussion towards the end about what it's like to have both private and cooperative ownership in the company and how sustainability metrics are increasing the need for farm-level data. Before we dive in here, just a few things I think you should know about VAS because it can get a little bit difficult to follow in the course of the conversation. VAS, which stands for Valley Ag Software, was started by a couple of veterinarians clear back in 1981 to sell their flagship product called Dairy Comp. Now, we're going to talk a lot about Dairy Comp, so just know that it's part of VAS's software suite to provide digital visibility into dairy management. Now, one last wrinkle as well, VAS is a subsidiary of the Eurus Group, which is this holding company that has both cooperative ownership as well as private ownership. They own several dairy and beef-related companies, including VAS. Okay, so hopefully this is clear as mud here. Eurus Group is the holding company with both cooperative and private ownership. They own VAS, which Jordan works for. And Dairy Comp is their flagship product that's part of this suite of digital tools for dairies. Got it. Okay. Well, this will all become clearer as we dive in here with Jordan Lambert, starting with her childhood growing up on the dairy in Colorado. So I grew up on a small town, uh, in a small town called Fort Morgan in Colorado, and I grew up working on the farm and I actually loved it. I loved knowing what my parents did. I loved going to work with my dad and feeding the cows. I loved going to work with my mom. And she did a lot of the, the health management stuff on the farm. So that's actually a lot of what I learned to do. There was a herd health management system called Dairy Comp, which is the flagship product of the company that I work at now. But that was actually my second job. Uh, my first job was feeding calves. My second job was putting data into Dairy Comp. And what I loved about working on the farm was that 
it was this really beautiful biological system. And I loved Dairy Comp, actually, because it was the data that allowed you to manage the biological system that is the farm. I went to UC Davis, which is a very popular dairy school, actually. But I wanted to be different. So I did plant genetics. And for a number of years, I was a genetic engineer. And we were actually genetically engineering rice to produce human proteins for pharmaceuticals. I enjoyed that very much because, again, we're dealing with a, a biological system and we're dealing with data. But I really missed the business side of things. So I did what you do in that situation. And when I got my MBA <laughs> and while I was in my MBA, I was literally looking for any industry that had the heat and the passion that I felt when I heard cows, because <laughs> there's actually really something beautiful and primal about working in a team to herd cows that that's heaven to me. Like that's, that's workplace bliss. So I looked at pharmaceutical companies and I looked at biotech and I looked at insurance. I don't know why I thought I should search there, but I did hospital administration. I looked in all of these different places and finally decided on management consulting because I couldn't find something that like really had that passion for me. So I did consulting for a little while and I, you know, I'd be on the plane going to some client site and I'd just be looking out the window at all the farmland under the plane and I'd just be going, where's, where's your heart at? And man, it's cows. <laughs> it's cows. So that's kind of what led me back. I had to go all the way away, try real hard, um, <laughs> and then realized it was really the, the best option for me. Well, there's a lot of value in knowing what you're missing, right? And maybe talk about dairy comp. I mean, it's got an impressive history and presence in the market. So maybe set the scene for somebody who who's not from a dairy background, doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, sure. So VAS was founded in 1981 by a couple of really visionary veterinarians, Steve Eicher and Connor Jamison. And I think their key insight was if we can help a producer count certain things and show them those counts over time, we can really help them optimize their operation. And the, the really big piece was standardizing what it means to call a cow pregnant, because actually that was like a pretty, it was somewhere between 30 and 70 days, you know, which is actually a really long time. They put a stake in the ground and said, like, this is what we consider to be a pregnancy. And then from that, they made a set of tools that we call bread sum so that you can understand how efficient your breeding program is. Dairy animals don't produce milk unless they've had a baby. So one of the things that a producer really needs to manage is how often their cows are pregnant. And the, the legacy of Dairy Comp was really helping a producer understand how good they were at getting their cows pregnant with really great genetics so that they could move that forward. And it had some interesting knock-on effects, honestly, because while I, I think Connor and Steve started out really trying to optimize pregnancy and therefore profitability on the farm, it actually ended up with this really awesome sustainability story. So like between 2007 and 2017, the dairy industry ended up with a 19% smaller carbon footprint and produced more milk during that time. They also reduced water use by 30% and land use by about 20% as well. And a lot of that had to do with the data going into dairy comp that allowed producers to manage that pregnancy window. Because the fewer days that a cow is open means fewer days that she's eating without returning to the farm the money from the milk check. So she's eating less, 
she's producing more during her lifetime. So it, it's kind of cool because it had this fun efficiency and sustainability story rolled in one. Hmm. And when did it go from a system to optimize pregnancy to, you know, a central part of a dairy operation? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, it depends on what you mean by central. Actually, a really important part of the history of Dairy Comp is that it was mostly consultants, so veterinarians and nutritionists who helped. Often they were the ones who would put in the data at the beginning, not even the producer. Like They knew that they could give the producer better advice if they could show change over time. And Sometimes they'd buy the program for the producer, put in the data themselves, and then show up every month and be like, see, guys, if you did this, it would be better. And then eventually, the I would say like late 90s or so, like the producers began to be the ones who were like, this is necessary for my operation. But actually, the dairy industry itself has been data-driven for a long time. Back at the beginning of the 1900s, Apparently, like one of the reasons for refusing a draftee during the world wars was malnutrition. We didn't have enough calories in the United States. And so there were all these initiatives to try to fix that. One of them was the Dairy Herd Improvement Associations. We call them DHIAs. And their job was to run around quantifying milk. So like how much got produced, how much protein's in there, how much fat's in there, what's the somatic cell count, which is a measure of the health of the milk and the health of the cow. We started doing DHIA stuff like at the beginning of the 1900s and dairy producers have relied on that information from monthly tests. Like they would send people out, test the milk once a month and then like the producer would get all those results back and then make decisions about which cows to keep and which ones to get rid of on the basis of that data. So there's sort of this really long history of about 120 years of really thinking about data management. And it was in the 90s, I would say, that the dairy producer themselves became the person who put the data together rather than having a service organization come do it for them. And many farms still operate that way today. They still use DHIAs. About 40 or 50 percent of the American dairy herd uses dairy herd improvement associations to make decisions on their farm. Hmm. Maybe this is obvious to you, but may maybe not so much to me not being a dairy person, but it also seems like maybe a reason that the dairy industry might be even more data-driven quicker than maybe other industries is because you sort of get feedback twice a day as opposed to a crop that's like once a year or, you know, an animal once in their lifetime. Such a great point. Yeah. Well, and even so some producers milk two times a day in the United States, it's three. So you're, you're getting data every eight hours about what's going on if it's coming from the milk parlor, but you could even get it more rapidly than that with some of the IOT devices that we're looking at rumination and activity sensors. So like Fitbits for cows, like collars uh, that kind of, hang around the cow's neck, kind of like a bell on a Swiss cow. It's counting things like how much she's moving and also how many times she's regurgitating her cud, which is a measure of her comfort and how well she's going to grind up her food, which allows her to make more milk. Um, the better she grinds that food, the, the better the feed conversion is. So those rumination and activity sensors, they're spitting out data every several seconds. Like it's really rapid. And I think that's only going to going to increase. So I think you're right. Like the feedback loop in the dairy industry is very short uh, between like learning that an intervention that you've made has gone well or has gone poorly. <laughs> it goes very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I mean, you multiply collecting data every few seconds by 5,000, 10,000 cows. I mean, that's just astronomical amounts of data. And so a dairy comp now, walk us through as if we're a dairyman who's new to dairy comp. What's it going to do for me today in 2021? Yeah. So what dairy comp is going to do is provide digital visibility into your farm. So uh, this is about the health of your cows, the reproduction of your cows, and this is about pairing your inputs into the cow with the output on the other side. So like we gave them this vaccination, you know, we bred with this kind of semen, and this is the kind of milk that we got out, to your point, a few days later, uh, several months later, over time, like genetic improvement is a huge driver of profitability progress and also sustainability progress in the dairy industry. Um, genetic improvement is is huge for advancing both of those. And the way that we've been able to do that is to say like, okay, so you're performing here right now, especially in terms of milk production. And here's where you ended up a few years later, like is your genetic plan serving you or not now that we've got several generations in there too. So really dairy comp is about marking your progress over time. So that's the first thing is like seeing the data. It also provides a, a shared source of truth that allows the dairy producer and their trusted advisor to make strategic decisions. But the third thing that it really does is it helps enact those strategic decisions in digital protocols that direct farm workers. So like if you're a brand new dairy comp customer today, we're going to work with you to set up what your protocol is for treating cows for if you've bought Feedwatch, which is another one of our products for feeding cows, things like that. And then Inside the program, what it's going to do is set up a work list that goes to a mobile phone and tells your feeder or your breeder to do this on this day in this way so that every cow gets the attention that she needs to optimize your strategic plan, whatever that is. Okay. So Dairy Comp is is part of kind of a suite of tools that VAS has in order to kind of fully digitize and help manage a dairy operation. And has the data collection on dairies become a lot more automated than, you know, having somebody enter and things like that? Yeah. And it's it's an interesting thing because actually Dairy Comp has been connected to the Internet of Things since like the 90s. So parlor systems, milking systems realized really early on, like De Laval, Lely, Gia, Bomatic, Wakato, all those guys they developed pretty early on the ability to pair a cow ID with the amount of milk that she's producing in a given milking. So we've actually had edge computing since like the 90s where the parlor equipment computer would store the information and then at the end of the milking shift, like send it all over to Dairy Comp so that in Dairy Comp, you can now see how she was milking, as well as all of her health event data, all of her fresh event data, all of her breeding events. So you can put it all together. So we've been doing that for a long time. That's passive data capture. But uh, I think now is kind of a, a really special moment in the ag industry generally, because we're starting to get really good at things like machine vision, at inline sensors that are managing more than just weight. So there's several companies out now that are checking out what is the somatic cell count of the milk as it's moving through the parlor line. Is she pregnant or not? You can see that in the milk. 
looking at things like that and adding additional pieces of data so that now, for instance, uh, Soma Detect is one of the companies that does an inline sensor that detects pregnancy. And uh, traditionally, you had as a veterinarian, you had to arm in that cow and, and feel for whether or not there's a baby there. If you can do that in line in the milk, that went from an extremely manual process to a much more passive one. And that's definitely the cusp of the revolution that we're standing on for sure. Mm -hmm. And that also helps with, I'm sure, other challenges that Dairy Compass had in the past, which is kind of like data standardization, making sure that everything goes in the same way so that it can be actually utilized. Yeah, that's a really great question. And data standardization is like <laughs> the struggle in every industry, right? Because especially when you're innovating, sometimes you just need to cobble something together to see if it's good enough. And then later you'll figure out whether or not you need to standardize it. Dairy Comp in particular, the bane of its existence, it's that it's extremely customizable. Dairy producers need to be able to customize their software to fit the workflows that they've decided are best for what they're doing on farm. As a result of that, Dairy Comp in particular is designed to like let the producer kind of put in any data that they want, which can make it really difficult to clean the data on the other side. So we actually have a bunch of internal initiatives right now to really be thinking about how can we do some stuff in the background to map certain things like a mastitis event and say, so we know in the background that's a mastitis event, but the producer can call it whatever the heck they want to in order to run their farm. Like if, for instance, if a, if a word needs to be written in Spanish so that their farm workers can understand it, we can still get the data out the other side and know that that was a mastitis event. There's been a lot of legacy softwares in various industries like this that, you know, cloud computing came along and they just were dinosaurs overnight, almost, it would seem. How has Dairy Comp and VAS been able to achieve what they have today, which my understanding is they are the industry standard? I mean, if you are a commercially operating dairy at a certain size, at least in the U.S., probably North America, you're using it. How have they been able to do that despite external factors changing so much over time? Oh, yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think there's several drivers there. So Dairy Comp is very successful. Um, we have about five and a half million of the nine million dairy animals in the United States, which means that there's a big chunk that are not on dairy comp. But you're right, our herd size skews to the larger herds. So one of the reasons that it's really sticky is because dairy comp is constructed to manage groups of cows rather than individual cows. So if you're going to go vaccinate a whole lot of cows, you're going to take all of your vaccines with you out there and you want to know all 100 of them right now. <laughs> and like you line them up and, and you get that part done rather than, you know, OK, what does this county today? What does this county today? What does this county today? That's not as scalable, or at least it wasn't in the past. However, now that we have things like cow side mobile data entry because of the advent of the mobile phone we can extend the groups of cows concept to making sure that we're still optimizing care for each individual cow. So efficiency is one reason that dairy comp has been so sticky. I think another reason, honestly, that dairy comp has been so sticky is just because rural internet hadn't made it possible to do a lot of cloud-based stuff until like pretty recently. A third reason that I think we're in a pretty great position is we have very patient and visionary investors 
who are willing to put in the investment to get us to make the leap to the cloud. Um, Because, you know, the company was founded in 1981. It was originally coded in Delphi. (laughs) Like, it's hard to find coders that can even do that, right? (laughs) And now we're living in a world with Amazon Web Services. And um, you're right, like, if we don't make the leap to the cloud as we have invested in doing, somebody else is going to do it because it's it's just cheaper and more efficient to do it that way. And we're really fortunate that we're privately owned, but we're in part a cooperative owned by farmers. And they really understand the value that this brings to the industry. So they've, they're willing to put in the investment to help us make the multi-million dollar investment to go to the cloud rather than not ever making that leap, which is a way that this could go. Talk about that structure, the cooperative structure. I think that's so interesting. And maybe give us some context about the history there and kind of how that works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and cooperatives are a really important part of the fabric of the dairy ecosystem globally, but also very, very strong in the United States. Cooperatives are important because it means that you can do more when there's more of you all together, right? And that's actually where part of our history comes from. So we are 50% owned by a particular individual. His name is Vinan Pon. He was a dairy farmer himself, but he's also got a number of other businesses. The other 50% of our ownership structure is farmers in the Midwest, dairy producers in the Midwest. And that happened through a merger back in 2018, I believe, between Coupon Holdings, um, which was privately held, and uh, CRI, which was a cooperative that had a company called AgSource in it. They're a milk recording organization, so they have laboratories that test the milk, like I was talking about earlier, and they have a set of agronomy labs as well, and then also uh, a semen company that had some of the, the world's best genetics. They combined those two companies in 2018 to produce the Urus Group. So VAS is one of the sister companies within the larger holding company of Urus Urus Group. But what that means is that Urus is governed and therefore VAS is governed by a group of farmers that are elected to represent the cooperative as a whole, which means that the producer's voice is our customer and they are also our investor, which is a a really unique and important feedback loop. So the needs of the customer are understood at a very visceral level in the boardroom. So actually a number of our farmers that are on the council that are are part of URIS, they're the ones who are out in the fields, like doing things on farm. They are herding cows, they are breeding cows, they're using the software. Um, So they understand like really viscerally what it means to do a great job of making a really great piece of software that meets their needs. You've worked for companies, you worked for venture-backed companies before. How do you see that sort of translate into the culture of the company, the fabric of the company? Oh, yeah, great question. Yeah, different investors are different, right? Like, I think the investors that I've worked with in the in sort of more startup companies, as you, as you talk about, in a lot of cases, they need a much quicker return. And honestly, the venture capital system was born in the software revolution where you could like build a product and like get your payback in a few years. Agriculture is a much slower industry to get the payback on. And I'm excited because actually I'm seeing a number of venture capital companies, even, you know, private equity firms and things 
take a much longer view of agriculture, especially as the climate conversation is becoming more and more front of mind. But what I really love about the cooperative structure and the the private investor structure that we have on the Euro side is that it, it means that these folks aren't looking for an exit with a really big pop. They are in here for the long haul. And they're in here, especially our producers from the cooperative side of the business. They're here for their livelihood. This is a way of life. Like the software that we're producing enables them to continue doing what they love, which is to be out there with their cows. Um, so that's like a very different investment thesis than trying to get cash out on a very relatively shorter time horizon. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've thought about this recently, actually, about if I'm a, a venture capitalist, let's say, and I'm just in it for returns, the second an alternative to dairy looks hot, I'm going to be tempted to drop my dairy investments and go all in on an alternative. And that's not unique to dairy. That's every agricultural commodity. But when you're owned by people whose livelihood depends on a commitment to making it work, that's a big difference. It's it's really a pleasure to work with. Let's talk strategy a little bit here. So you all have kind of become the hub of data-driven decision-making on a dairy. And there's all these other companies coming up that are doing interesting things. You know, when do you decide to partner with them or, you know, API, as we've talked about with them, or, you know, build a solution because it's not fully satisfying your dairy customers and owners versus buy a company, you know, sort of the build by partner decision. How do you look at that? Yeah, yeah. Build by partner is such a it's such a great thing to be thinking about. And we're in a really cool position in part because of the ownership structure we just talked about, like, we get to think at both the VAS level, which is software driven. We don't intend to be very much in the hardware space at all. We think that there are some people that do a really great job of doing that. And we do a really great job of software, of aggregating, of data analytics. So we want to, VAS itself wants to really be in that space. What's really cool about having the Euris structure means that um, we can stand up new sister companies anytime we like. So we have sister companies, GenX and Alta, that are both in the, the AI space. And then we have a colostrum company called Saskatoon. And like, it stands to reason that we could we could add another leg of that stool that is more hardware focused. And what I really love about that structure is then each business is expected to do a really great job of turning a profit on their own rather than compensating for each other, um, which is really cool. I think it means that you have a much more effective product because that means that you have to make a great product that can hold its own in the market. So when we think about the VAS lens partnership is typically where we want to go. If it's in the herd management space, we'll build that. But for anything else, partnership is is generally where we want to go. In certain cases, we would consider purchasing, but it would be more like software-like. If we were to purchase something on the hardware side, it would probably more likely be at the Euros level. It seems like sustainability has sort of become more data driven, less about marketing and more about like what what actually outcomes are you or maybe we're trending that way would be my assessment. In what ways have you all adjusted your offerings accordingly? Do you help your producers tell their individual sustainability story through data? And are you able to aggregate across customers to tell the sustainability story of dairy in general? 
Yeah, such a such a great question. And, and we do do both. So our data use policy is that we will never disclose a dairy producer's identifiable information without their consent. And a lot of what we're doing in the Pulse platform actually is, is making it really easy for a producer to see who they've granted access to and make it easy for them to revoke access should they want to. So it's always in the producer's control to allow their data to, for instance, go to a processor who is more typically like in the position of wanting to tell the sustainability story. Although we have a number of producers who want to tell their own story about that and be really proud of the way that they recycle water or what their genetic improvement has been over time that has decreased their carbon footprint. And we're seeing actually more producers want to tell that story too. Um, So that's the producer level information. Um, But yeah, we do aggregate data so that we can see how particular regions are performing or, or particular kinds of farming practices, especially so that we can be helpful to the broader ecosystem. So, for instance, we work with the farm program, which is kind of a, a set of questions that uh, dairy processors ask of their of their producers. And in a lot of cases, the questions that they're asking are things that are inside dairy comp, <laughs> like how many cows of this type do you have, you know, kind of a kind of a situation, because then you can make calculations about greenhouse gases, about carbon footprint, more generally about water use, about energy use. Um, so we do aggregate in order to to be able to make those benchmarks. One of the things that I love about having data across so many geographies, not just the United States, but globally, is that we're able to see what's possible in different environments. That's what's really cool about aggregating data is you can benchmark it together so that you can see how you're performing relative to others. And what's cool is if others are performing better than you, now it means that it's possible that you could achieve that reproduction rate, that you could achieve that milk production rate, that you could achieve that that feed efficiency ratio. So I love benchmarking because it allows kind of the entire dairy industry, every dairy producer to see each other on the field and go like, oh my God, I want to be like that guy. Like I want to be able to perform at that level. One aspect of your story that I think is just really fascinating is sort of this move from 1981, a very useful tool that helps save, you know, dairy's money, and then expanding from there over the the next decades into a platform that's a central part of how dairies operate their business. And then from there into the data that we just talked about. And now I'm hearing that maybe you're going from tool to platform to sort of like data to now marketplace. So can you maybe talk about that evolution? Yeah. So there's an aspect of the Pulse platform that any producer who's using our products can get into. And it's it, right now it's called our integrations gallery. And in the integrations gallery, it, it shows you all of the all of the sensor systems that you can interact with. And it's not just sensors, actually. We have processors in there, too. So if a producer wanted to, for instance, get their payment data from a processor imported into Pulse, they could see that there. Um, So if you could imagine landing on this page and there's all these little tiles that show you all of the different partners that we have that integrate with Pulse. One of them could be your processor. One of them, actually, like five or seven of them are 
rumination and activity sensor so that you can explore them all and decide the one that matters most or is the best fit for your operation. And by clicking on those tiles, you get to double click into that information and understand like what is the value prop of this piece of technology. We want to make it easy from there for the producer to be able to reach out actually to those sales teams to be able to talk about like what would it look like for me to purchase some Fitbits for cows, right? Or what would it look like for me to enact this data exchange so that I can see my processor data within my my dairy Pulse platform portal. So really what we view the integrations gallery is transforming into is this marketplace where producers can comparison shop for all of the possible ways that they could augment their performance on farm. I'm trying to think of another parallel to draw here to any other crop or commodity where someone would be in such a good position to actually just provide sort of this digital storefront of potential apps. But essentially, then you you are becoming sort of the choose your marketplace, Amazon, eBay of apps for dairy. And there's this natural context where they know they're already using Dairy Comp. And so they know what the value prop is on top of Dairy Comp. Yeah. And, and getting that data. And I think that's where it's really wonderful to be a part of the dairy industry, again, because of this heritage of sharing information across dairy producers. The more connected we get all of this data, the more powerful any single offering on Marketplace becomes. Like a rumination activity sensor gets more valuable when it's purchased alongside other pieces of a producer's tech stack that maybe the rumination activity sensor doesn't cover. So it's really exciting to have a place where a producer can choose all of the different ways that they want to collect and create change on farm. Very cool. Jordan, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. After our call, I was excited and you, you even exceeded my high expectations. So thank you. Oh, gosh. Thank you for all the questions, Tim. This was really fun. Thank you once again to Jordan Lambert. Go learn more about VAS over at VAS.com. How about that for a killer domain? You know they've been around a long time when they've got the three-letter domain. That is exactly their company. Anyway, you can also learn more about the Eurus Group at Eurus.org. That's U-R-U-S.org. And thanks so much to Keith Heikis for making the introduction to Jordan to make this episode possible. I have some bonus audio from this episode that goes deeper into some of the sustainability aspects of what VAS does, including why Jordan is so excited about manure data. I'll post that to the FOA community, which you can join if you'd like over at patreon.com forward slash agriculture. Thank you so much, as always, for your time and your attention. I really don't take it lightly. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation.